disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. All right, guys, cities all across America are getting a ton of money from the $1.9 trillion stimulus bill. I fully disagreed with another stimulus bill. Um, how I feel about the stimulus bill versus direct payments to Americans who are in a bad situation because the government put them there are two different things. But this $1.9 trillion, most of it doesn't actually go to you. You're going to get $1,400 depending on how much you made last year. Most of it doesn't go to you. It's really just going to create more and more debt, which is going to saddle you and your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids all with enormous debt that probably won't ever be able to be paid. So it's going to be a disaster. But nonetheless, the money's here. Louisville itself is getting almost half a billion dollars from the government. So how's that going to be spent? We're going to bring on my friend Anthony Piagentini. He's the guy who I think should be the next mayor of Louisville. He's a council member now. He has a great mind on his shoulders. He's a veteran. We're going to talk about this, several other things, and cars today. So check it out. Right now, though, I want to thank our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, for their help with this program. LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville or call them. 502-930-3304. They're the best. The reason I can say they're the best is because they did my kitchen in my house in Louisville before we moved. And um, actually, I got to tell you, uh, I'm pretty sure it's the reason why the house sold in a day. I mean, it's one of the reasons, right? It was a beautiful home. We were we we just needed some help in the kitchen. And Louisville Cabinets and Countertops came in and made it beautiful and also our master bathroom. So we enjoyed that for several years. And then when we sold it, it sold in less than a day. So your kitchen can make all the difference in the world in how your house shows. Or if you just want to live in the house forever and it's time for your dream kitchen, give them a call. Go see Kelly, Michelle, and George. They're three designers on staff. Or if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they have beautiful, beautiful, and I mean beautiful, high-quality, affordable cabinets in stock. You go to their website see what I mean. Just click on cabinets and then in-stock cabinets. You're going to see some really great stuff. So thank you, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, for being a sponsor of The Disruption Zone. And now let's get to our conversation with Anthony Piagentini, the councilman from Louisville. Not sure when, but maybe one day you can invite people over your house <laughs> and you can associate with somebody that you want to associate with. Yeah. So free association thing. Maybe we will get the constitutional right one day to free associate again. You maybe. never know. We're not sure. But, I, I saw yeah. that speech by Biden and I was like, it was kind of creepy how he leaned into the mic and was like, I need you. I know, I know. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, if we all do our part, maybe by f July 4th, we can have a backyard barbecue with a few friends and family. Not big events or anything, but a few people can gather. Oh, my God. Ugh. I mean, and, and again, like, so, so which is it? Do we believe the science or not? If the vaccine is effective and everybody can have the vaccine by May, which right. is great, terrific, right? right. I mean, again, right. I, I think you've said this, too. Like, the vaccine is, is modern marvel right? Yeah. The distribution of it never seen before in the history of man, right. right? Like this is crazy stuff that we're able to do that no other generation before us has been able to pull off. Right. Okay. Right. To then celebrate by saying two months later, we might allow you to hang out with a couple people. Like 
it's such a di- it's such a disconnect from reality. I mean, this weekend I'm going to a massive volleyball tournament indoors with my daughter, and they just lifted all the restrictions on who can attend. So like, whole families are going to be there. Right, 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 right. Now we'll now because we're indoor next to each other, they'll require masks. Right, but we're all going to be there watching this volleyball tournament. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, for hours. And then, like, I've, I mean, who isn't at this point hanging out with friends? No, like, <laughs> everybody's ignoring it. And and if if ignoring it was going to lead to a massive spike, it would be. And it's not. And in fact, cases are dropping. Um, yeah, I, I I saw what, what Biden said, and it just it it's more of the same. Um, you know, I, I posted on social media the other day. I was like, look. The CDC put out guidelines for people who are fully vaccinated. They still have to wear masks. They still have to social distance. They still shouldn't gather. And I'm, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? And then I'm like, first of all, the, our founding fathers realized that freedom is a God-given right. It's not given to us by the government. Right. So the CDC Precisely. can give me recommendations, mm-hmm. which I then will take my God-given freedom and decide whether or not I want to follow them, <laughs> you know. But then the president getting up and saying, hey, you know, by summer, if you all do your part, does he think we're all still sitting in the house in our pajama pants? I mean, I guess he does, right? Like He thinks nobody's moving around in the world. No. Meanwhile, the entire White House staff works in the White House. Right. Right. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, he's working in the White House, walking around. The, The really hilarious thing is he's been vaccinated. Kamala Harris has been vaccinated. They're standing next to each other wearing masks. Like, right. Once again, like what is the, you know, anyway, I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous. First of all, 25% or so of my friends have been vaccinated and 50% have already had it. Right. I, ha- I, ha- that's why we can hang out safely because right. we all friggin' had it. Right. The, my, uh, I still donate COVID plasma. I actually talked to the public health director because I'm el- eligible for the vaccine now. You're right. Uh, and I said, listen, <clears throat> I'm not opposed to getting it. I'm absolutely getting it. I said, but. I'm going to postpone until phase two when I hit the 40 year old thing. And when there's less people dying, I said, because I still every 28 days, I donate COVID plasma. Right. When you donate, they test your antibody levels, right? There's new uh, guidelines from the CDC that basically they only want people with the highest possible antibody levels, right? Okay. If you're like in the lower mid, they don't want it. You're, you, it doesn't have the same efficacy right. when they do the, the, the COVID plasma. Okay. I was sick in August, and I mean like early to mid-August is when I got it, okay? So now it's September, October, November, December, January, February, March, okay? I just donated this past week. I still have, seven months later, the highest possible level. <laughs> right. You sound okay. like Thomas Thomas Massey. He had the same thing. It was like for eight or nine months, he had high levels of antibodies. Right. And so, I mean, so clearly, why do you think at only 25% with the first vaccine, we're seeing numbers plummet as fast we're seeing because because they were saying oh we need 80 percent to see right. the numbers come down right well yeah because it's probably like 40 percent have had it right, right? so right. we're probably at like 65 percent immunity or so at this point yeah that's probably true I, I I honestly I mean in my line of work what I do I speak to people publicly day after day and I probably see over a thousand people a month <clears throat> and I, I right. mean if and, and I, I I I figure if somebody's gonna get it you know, maybe I had it. I don't know. I might have been had it and had, you know, asymptomatic version of it because, you know, I'm pretty fit and I've got I got on the uh, vitamin D, zinc and quercetin train pretty early. 
Right. Um, and so I've tried to, you know, keep my levels of vitamin D up. And, and I also think this is a virus that is specifically designed for a society like ours that is fat and lazy. And oh, totally. it, it's, it, it really, it really <clears throat> feasts on people that are eating a really bad diet of heavy processed foods because heavy processed foods and lots of sugar compromise your immune system. So it feasts on that. And we have a, an yep. abundance of that in the United States. So I was looking at some numbers this morning because I'm trying to figure out like over overall cause mortality. Did we actually, did more people actually die in the last year than would have otherwise died? And it turns out that at least as of trends last fall, maybe 10%. Like, you know, it was it was a moderate amount of an uptick in right, overall right. deaths. Because there's an enormous number of people that died from COVID who had pre-existing conditions that they were probably going to die within the next six months to a year anyway. Now, I'm not saying that to minimize those lives. Please don't mistake that. Six more months, months with Memaw is is great if you can get it. However six more months where you can't actually see Mamaw and then she dies right. is also not good, right? So I was trying to look up these numbers and I see these numbers and it's fascinating to me that, um, you know, when you, you look at the number of people that have had it and then you look at like who has died, it has been people who've had like col col coronary pulmonary, what is it? CP, CPD? Yeah. yeah. Chronic, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Yeah. 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 Uh, people that have had pneumonia in the past, um, people that have, respiratory issues people that have pre-existing right. conditions we lost a lot of people that had those kinds of pre-existing conditions we had more deaths than any other country adjusted for population in the developed world but we also have more unhealthy people than most of those other developed countries so yeah. mm -hmm. you know i don't know it's but at the end yeah. of the day this thing is it's a virus and a virus i told somebody this the other day everybody talks about the mutations a virus has a vested interest in the host staying alive so it can propagate. So when viruses mutate, they tend to mutate towards a less lethal type of correct. Uh, of it's you also know, correct. Right. And yeah. so so if if there are variations out there, the chances that they're less lethal and less severe, perhaps less symptomatic, are very high. So I just I just think there's a an, to me when I watch the news right now, I think there's a ramping down. And I predicted this back in October. I was like, as soon as the election's over, we're going to see. It's not going to be an overnight thing, but it's going to be a slow walk back of everything that's happened. And we have Democrats and leaders in states that have acted this way that are putting their hands in their pockets, whistling and walking away like they didn't have anything to do with the complete devastation economically that they left in their wake over the last year uh, as they sort of back this down. I mean, here in Colorado, the governor of this state has already said, hey, by May, we should have no restrictions, including masks. You know what I mean? Which, by the way, doesn't line up with what the president said. No, oh yeah, no, it's it, it's it's going to be over. I mean, but, but when when we're really, I mean, the projections where we're going to be in May and June, nobody's wearing anything ever. I mean, right. it's over. Right. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Yeah, I just I just feel so bad for the businesses that won't come back. And and look at Louisville, man. Yep. Look at how I keep I keep seeing these stories pop up on my alerts about you know restaurants in Louisville, long time restaurants closing down for good. <laughs> and I mean, we've we've lost so many great businesses. State of Kentucky's lost so many great businesses. Colorado, where I live now, has lost so many great businesses. All across America, so many. Yeah. Thank God for the the uh, you know brood in Lexington and beans up in northern Kentucky that are actually fighting this governor, and they've got for whatever reason they've got the means to actually do it. Thank God that somebody's standing up. Yeah. Yeah. So now speaking of the economic devastation, I guess we're gonna get a lot of money from the government. 
right? To fix all of this, it's supposed to fix so, all this, right? It's going to fix it. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, I think you know your comment about uh, you know when we think this is going to die down. I think now that the quote American Recovery Act is 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 died down or is passed, now you're going to see it die down, right? Because the crisis had to be had to continue until they get the policy thing they want. Right. So right. there you go. Right. Yeah. They got the policy. They they got the policy thing they want. Um, one point nine trillion dollars down the tubes, and 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 now you don't need the crisis as much anymore. As a matter of fact, there'll be a vested interest to not talk right. about it's the crisis. Look, they they want to make it look like their their one point nine trillion solved the crisis. Solved the problem. Right. Right. I and I will tell you. So the, the number for Louisville's four hundred and thirty. Five million, four hundred thirty-four and a half. So, call four hundred thirty-five million dollars that uh, we're going to get. Our total typical annual budget is in the eight hundred some odd million dollar range, but two hundred million of that is from fe- other federal and state resources that come in. So, we only tax collect uh, uh, about six hundred and fifty million dollars a year. Mm. From the from our our own occupational tax and property tax and, and other fees and things like that, so they they just handed us two thirds of our annual income. Now, look, there's some of this is going to be earmarked. We're still sorting through all of this, right? Some of it's going to be earmarked for rental assistance. Some's going to be earmarked for ongoing pandemic stuff. And okay, there isn't. I mean. Some of this is going to be allowed for uh, infrastructure, and some of this is going to go to uh, is going to offset existing costs, which will let us maneuver money in the general fund and all this, which already happened. I mean, bluntly, Louisville's still sitting on at least thirty, could be as much as sixty million dollars from the first two CARES Act funds that we haven't spent yet. We right. still don't even know what the hell we're going to spend it on, right? <laughs> wow. So now, so now you're bringing four hundred and some odd million into the picture. I mean, let's let's put it this way. We spend twenty million a year in in paving right now. If I gave that group a hundred million, do you think we have enough labor, trucks, uh, raw material to spend that in a year? Not even close. Right. 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 What we're going to run into now is this is the problem. And President Obama even joked about this one time. At, when remember when he took over, there was the recession, and then they did the. The, the shovel-ready project, yeah. there was the building yeah. past trillion dollars, oh, yeah. all these shovel-ready projects. Years later, he joked in a speech that he figured out after the fact that there's no such thing as shovel-ready <laughs> projects. And part of the reason is that, is that there is a labor problem, right? Right. If you just miracle money, you don't miracle people. Right, right. right. So so one of, the, one of two things is going to happen. This money is going to linger for years, as we try to get enough people to work to spend it, and si- and the second half of that is, uh, this is going to cause inflation because mm-hmm. eventually, let's just say they put a deadline on when we have to spend it. Now it's three years out, but right. it, it's going to take that long, and so eventually we're going to—I want to say—get desperate. That's not the right word, but we're going to be very motivated to spend it or we're going to lose it, which right. we don't want to. Right. I mean, if nothing else, I'm, I'm not giving it back to those bozos. Right. right? You know, right. so, so, so we're going to have to figure out how to spend it. Eventually you have to bid. What do you think the paving contractors are going to do? They bid up the work right. because they will have to make choice. There's only so many labor contracts and, and these uh, uh, providers of these services in the entire city. 
So eventually, they'll be bidding against, we'll be bidding against somebody else, the private sector stuff, and these other development projects are going on. And eventually, that's inflation because they'll bid up the price of the work. Right. Right. Cost is going to go up. I mean, and, and, you know, and who gets screwed? The consumer, right? right. Inflation, it, people don't remember. I mean, I barely do. I was a kid when it happened. But, you know, the, the uh, in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and, you know, what inflation looked like and all that stuff, British had a huge runaway inflation problem for a little bit. This is Margaret Thatcher days and all this. And it destroys um, the purchasing power of the individual. I right. mean, it absolutely decimates it. It's called, the economists call it the hidden tax, right, right. or the secret tax. Right. Because it, it, it just, you don't even see it happen. Right. And your standard of living continues to go down. So well, that's the yeah. that's the slyness and the the tactical advantage that Democrats have with their failed policies. Um, you look at Democrat-run cities, and all of them are essentially uh, cesspools. You know, I mean, it, it's a mess. It's a regulatory mess. It's an environmental mess. It's uh, it's a poverty mess. It's a crime mess. All of the the core of these big cities yep. that are run by Democrats have the exact same issues. And yet it's not ever blamed on the leadership. It's always blamed on, I don't know, it's the Republicans or the other guys or it's some other boogeyman that's created and it has nothing to do with their policies. And again, when you enact, you know, if you enact a $15 minimum wage, you're disregarding the actual value on the market of that labor, which means you're going to force people out of work. Um, you're going to, you're going to kill the idea of learning skill sets early and young for, you know, in exchange for cheap labor, you kill that idea off. So then fewer people develop crucial work skills, you know, all of that stuff. It's the same kind of thing. When you look at these policies, they have devastating effects on real people's lives. The problem is it's over so much time and we have an irresponsible media that doesn't dive into it that people don't realize that's what's happening. And it becomes easy to just create these sort of singular boogeyman, like it's the patriarchy that's doing it. You know, that's the reason for the wealth right. gap between men and women, or it's racism, or it's uh, it's the evil Republican business boogeyman or whatever, when in reality it's just bureaucratic government that's making life hard and expensive for everybody. You're getting exactly at it, right? So in Louisville, at Metro Council, there's we've had significant debates, and actually the, David James, the president of Metro Council, he created a, a committee on equity, mm -hmm. and he essentially begged me to vice chair it because he needed a Republican to vice chair it, and, and you know, he asked me, I was like, okay, fine, I said, I'll, I'll get involved. So we've been debating housing policy, right, and all this, so there's this movement, you know, cancel rent, right, and there's this discussion of affordable housing and all this stuff. We had uh, evictions in the city of Louisville are down at 67%, okay? Two-thirds. That's incredible. We've never, ever seen that type of reduction in evictions in the history of the city, okay? Something really to be lauded, and, and, but it's not good enough, right? Right. I have colleagues of mine that are saying, no, no, this isn't good enough. We, they're still calling it an eviction crisis. <laughs> there is no evidence no evidence that we're facing an eviction crisis. The money that the federal government has given us to commit to uh, paying rent, get to helping people who are unemployed and all this due to the thing, we're not even spending it. Like there's money left over so far in the funds that we've put up, put forward. Right. Because the demand they assumed just isn't there. Right. 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 And what the demand is doing now, as the 67% reduction will tell you, 
It is covering people who would have been evicted under the best economy ever. So in 2019, the best economy we have ever had, okay? Uh, we had about 17,000 evictions in the year, right? Last year, we had 67, about 6,700 evictions, okay? Wow. And that 17,000 number is pretty consistent. You look at 2019, right. 2018, 2017, you know, it right. fluctuates a little bit, but it bounces around that 16, 17,000 a year number. So if in the best economy ever, okay, that this city had ever seen with frictional unemployment, right? Absolutely no unemployment. Right. Anybody can get a job. Okay. You're still seeing 17,000 evictions. Now you're seeing 6,700 and you're still calling it a crisis. Right. You don't know what a crisis is. Right. right? Yeah. And now what they're trying to do is create a system where literally nobody has to be accountable for paying rent. What we, what the debate as it evolved, they admitted, one of the housing people admitted that they're in the eviction court. It's web, it's a WebEx. So they're in the eviction court. If the person shows up to the eviction court, all they got to do is show up. Right. They can 100% keep them in their apartment. Wow. Because of the amount of programs that are available to support them. Right. All they have to do is show up. So I say, okay, right? To me, problem solved, right? All you got to do is show up and we will get you help, okay? Right. right. And I said, shouldn't there be a modicum of because then i was still being lambasted like i was you know against the poor so i want people to be evicted ridiculous claims and and i and i finally said you know i said shouldn't there be a modicum of personal responsibility related to this right right where you have to at least show up okay that's all you have to show up all right the housing people actually said yes we agree there should be a of course right modicum of personal responsibility we're rejecting that I had council members reject my concept of a modicum. I, and I use that word, modicum of personal responsibility. Let's put it this way, because they use the excuse, well, what if people don't know they weren't informed properly? Right. And look, I don't want somebody to be evicted because there was a communication error. So I'm fine with trying to resolve that. But here, but here's, here's the point. I know damn well when I paid my rent and when I didn't. Right. I know damn well when I paid my mortgage and when I didn't. Okay. I mean, the concept that somebody doesn't know that they paid their rent or right. didn't pay their rent. And when, and the day after I didn't pay my rent, I'm assuming somebody's get trying to get after me and kick me out. Right. Right. Like, right. That is common sense. Somebody shouldn't be surprised that somebody, that they need to reach out to the landlord the day after they didn't pay their rent. Right. Yeah. And you know, I mean, and, and then this whole concept, it, it, and the other thing they treat it like is as if uh, landlords just can't wait. There's going to be mass evictions. Landlords are going to mass evict these people. Yes, because landlords can't wait to n have people not paying rent right. in their building. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know how stupid that is? Yeah. How, what, what a basic fundamental misunderstanding of how this process works and right. what how economics works. I mean, it's, it's flabbergasting really. Yeah. I, well, and it, it's, it's funny because you mentioned that and I was like, uh, my wife does the finances for our household cause she's smarter than me. And, uh, last month <laughs> she actually had assigned me to pay the mortgage. And, uh, I forgot, wow. for, I forgot for nine days. <laughs> 
And when I realized that I had this incredible panic attack, I was like, oh, shiznit, we're going to get a notice. It's going to crash our credit, right. you know, all that kind of right. stuff. And then I go online and it's like, oh, 15 day grace period. 15 cool, day grace man. period. That's and right. I click, click, <laughs> click, sign. And I just whistle. I didn't even tell her. I was like, I'm good. She's like, did you get that? Yeah, I got it taken care of. Yeah, I got it, honey. But I was no panicking because I was like, nine days, man. I'm nine days late on my house payment. I'm nine days. It can't be nine days. Of and course. But yeah, it, it doesn't work that way. And the, the, the owner, like, cause here's the thing that's going to happen too. this. Is, I actually am worried about a real estate crisis, um, more on the corporate side than on the re, uh, oh, on, yes. on the residential yeah, that, side. Th that may be real. Right. Yeah. But those, those business, as soon as those people that are in those homes are working again and can pay their rent, the owner of that home has a vested interest in trying to figure out how to work with them going back on what they owe than just throwing them out on the street and trying to find a new renter all of over course. again. You, you're absolutely right with that. Now, on the corporate side, businesses have learned how productive they can be without the full staff in the office. And I know several business owners that are like, I have 25,000 feet and I just found out I can get by with 2,500. And that's yeah, where there's going to yeah. be a little bit of a crisis. Well, but here's here's the unknown about that. Totally agree. The unknown variable in, in the corporate real estate market is twofold, right? One is space. In other words, spacing people out, right? So even if they would if they would have put, you know, I'm making numbers up here, I don't know what they would be. If they put a hundred people in a ten thousand square foot place, now they're gonna put fifty people in that hundred in that uh, in that ten thousand square foot place. Right. Right. So even if they put fifty people back in, they're gonna spread people out in a different way. They're not gonna cube farm it out and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So I think we're gonna see a modification. So that'll maybe pick up some of the slack. Yeah, that's true. The other that's a good thing. Point. The other thing I think, um, it's not going to happen in media. I think in the immediate term, you're right. There's going to be a, a, a dip. You know, two, three years from now, um, because Apple did this, and I think they're 100% right. You know, Apple created, it was post-Steve Jobs passing away. I think it started when he was still alive, but but it wasn't finished till afterwards. It was their new building. It's called Infinity Loop. It's one big circular, massive, looks like a spaceship, right? right Huge right. Yeah. office building. When they constructed it, the point was collaboration. The point was that they actually is quite brilliant, the architecture behind it, what they were doing inside the building. They created it in a way that it forced people by accident, just by going to the bathroom or walking to the break room or whatever, to bump into other people, mm. right? Yeah. To create collaboration. I do think, um, and there's a couple businesses that have, I was just watching C-SPAN, or excuse me, uh, CNBC, and, um, a couple business owners have said this. They said, you know, there is a now not all businesses, you're right about the productivity. There's certain businesses can get away with a lot of people being home and that's fine, right? There are a lot of businesses that can't and aren't quite as productive with it. And I think in two or three years, when things have really got you know, when when this is a memory, right? Right. Um, I think you will see some people starting to come back because they will realize that um Again, with certain positions, certain industries, yes, remote working works, mm -hmm. but that teamwork and collaboration is a real thing. I mean, it's just yeah, like people I going, agree. it's just like people being isolated now that you go crazy. The mental illness thing that's going on right now, very real because of yeah. the isolation problem, right. very much the same way in business. Uh, my team uh, is a, was always a work from home team. My team in my private sector job got 20 something people all over the Commonwealth we would get together a couple times a year, right? All in one place, right? All to, you know, where 
the amount of work we would get done in those couple days, right, co to collaborate and all that stuff was, was right. incredible. And it boosted morale and it boosted the sense of team and community and that stuff. So, it, you know, it's going to ebb and flow a little bit. And there's no question there'll be a rebalancing. But I, I don't know if it'll, you know, if it'll be a huge crash or a sustained crash. Or certainly in the next year or so, yeah, it's going to be funky. But I think eventually we'll see it balance out over some time. Yeah, there's also going to be other areas of the economy that are going to do well because of efficiencies mm -hmm. that were found during this uh, situation. That's what I love about capitalism. If the oh, if the yeah. government will get out of the way and let capitalism do what it does, which you know Trump got you know regulations out of the way. That's why we have a vaccine in in a year. Uh, which by the way, the same people who are now uh, telling us that uh, virtue signaling to us that we must must take it are the same ones that you know six months ago were telling the news that they wouldn't trust it if it actually did happen because vice, it would be a Trump vaccine. The vice vaccine. president. Yeah. The vice, vice president actually said it. She yep. said if Trump told her to take it, she wouldn't take it. Yeah. And this is the same vi vi vaccine <laughs> that her and her boss are now taking credit right. for. <laughs> so That's right. But it was capitalism that made that happen. It was it was Trump moving regulations and red tape out of the way in order to make that happen. And if we do that for businesses in the wake of this, there are areas of the economy that have... Tell me that every freaking drive-through business in the country hasn't upped their game to close to Chick-fil-A standards now because they that's the only oh. way they've been able to do business is through the drive-through. You know, I, right. I mean there are so many efficiencies that were found through this process that we're going to see little things popping up um that that I think will also be bright spots in the economy going forward. Well, well you heard the I'm sure you heard the the story that, you know, if Amazon and Chick-fil-A were the ones distributing this vaccine, <laughs> we, we would have been done. All everybody would already have it. Everybody already yeah, have right. it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, so let's talk about how uh, Louisville and Kentucky should spend their, their free money from the government. We've talked about the right. consequences of free money. I mean, it it's big. And, yep. and I don't think people realize, you know, another $2 trillion here and there. No. I mean, it, at the point where we're desensitized to the trillion word, we're in problem in trouble. But, this money is here for now. I, I mean, honestly, if if Louisville isn't a gleaming, shining city on a hill in three years and every other city exactly. that gets this kind of money, then th there's going to have to be some heads roll if it doesn't get a bunch of stuff doesn't get done. First of all, there shouldn't be another damn pothole in Louisville for 40 years. Well, exactly right. So so here's the now again, I, I want to back up and say to say you and say to everybody else there's we know there's going to be some strings attached we have our own budget people um even the, i have a budget colleague who i trust very much she's been reading the regs the treasury department still has to write some of the regulations so there's steps that still have to be taken before we know precisely how we can spend the money and what we can spend it on right and and even and just so you know what happened with the first two cares act money over time the treasury department based on feedback from cities and states tweaked the rules so in the beginning we were like okay we can't do this with this money and then two months later they're like okay we can do that with this money right so right. Be because again they realized that we couldn't just hemorrhage that money out we needed more flexibility because you know central control sucks right, right. so right. um so so that's going to happen but you're exactly right if we what, what the battle that is now on right so the debate on about whether or not we should have this money over money's here, right? It's literally being deposited in accounts as we speak. Right, right. So now the question is, what do you do with it? We, 
uh, I could tell you the Republican caucus and what we're doing in Metro Council, and we are working with some of our Democrat colleagues to, to, to put this together, is number one, this is one-time money, mm-hmm. okay? Anybody that's advocating for some kind of reoccurring social program, you're out to lunch. Right, right. Right? That, that, that number one is out because we don't have the ability to do that. Uh, again, some of this will go to one time what I'll call social programs. So, like, re- there'll be a little more rental assistance, utility assistance, you know, that kind of thing. Right. That, that'll be part of this, right, right? Right. But outside of that, okay, one time, right, sort of reimbursement program, um, the rest of it has to be on infrastructure, on one time changes to yeah. this city. But just to put it in perspective, Louisville has $600 million in deferred maintenance. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not thank surprised, you, Mayor, though. Yeah. Thank you, Mayor Abramson. Thank you, Mayor Fisher. Right. right. That's what the history of that. Mayor Abramson did not keep up with infrastructure. Mayor Fisher, it was even it was just as bad or worse. Right. Nobody wanted to talk about it. They all swept it under the rug. And it's obvious it kept, driving through the city. And it's it's that's right. It, it, it is. It does a disservice to the wonderful people there that I have heard from other people around the country that are like, yeah, I drove through Louisville. Look kind of drab. Right. Yeah. That's a disservice yeah. to the people and the culture and the vibrant city that Louisville is. But our our leaders, you know, we're busy chasing other things, I guess. Yeah. So, for example, LM. So uh, City Hall is attached to LMPD headquarters. Right. They're, they're right. All, all on the same block. Right. right. LMPD headquarters has an entire floor or two that are uninhabitable. Right. right. I mean, just completely run down. There's the fiscal court building, which is a building in between City Hall and Metro Hall. Um it has a, I don't know if I've told you this before, it has a scaffolding under it. Like at the first floor, there's a scaffolding. That scaffolding is not there because they're repairing it. It's because the bricks are at risk of falling off and killing pedestrians that walk near the building. Right. Okay. That, that, so that building needs to be torn down and, and it either scrapped and people moved or rebuilt or whatever the deal is. Um, our parks department has, I mean, there are bathrooms that... Most of the bathrooms in our public parks, when I say are unserviceable, meaning you wouldn't walk in there uh, with a 10-foot pole, <laughs> not to mention it doesn't work, right? right? right. Um, the uh, go- Our golf courses, which have been, if there's any shining star that we've had over the last year, we, they have record profitability and they've been contributing money to the general fund. It's been incredible. What used to cost us a million bucks a year, Metro Council made some changes to the rules and regs and laws around of the golf courses to give them more flexibility, allow them to work more like private courses, whammo profitable. Yeah. Okay? Imagine that. Yeah. How about that? Right. So, I mean, so there's, but they have diverted maintenance issues, right. That need to, and, and to your point, we need to, I mean, we have done nothing. I mean, I was, I was just meeting with commercial developers uh, earlier this week and they will tell you, right. The Fisher administration really did not do anything for the city for business growth. Right. I mean, we, we did not land big you mean companies. Possibility city. Yeah, right. So, and one of the things that they'll look at is the infrastructure. Transportation is a huge issue. They are also looking at. I mean, when you're bringing that business in, if your basic infrastructure isn't solid in the city, what do they think is going to happen when they're dumping tens, hundreds of millions of dollars? Bring bringing in employees and all, right. they're not going to trust you to run it because they're looking and saying, well, you, got, you guys are crumbling, you're falling apart. Right. Because that crumbling and falling apart eventually needs to be paid for, which means bonds and new taxes, which they don't want to hear about. Right. right? So, yeah. But, but so he took them exactly, to the Derby. That should have been enough. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so, but you're exactly right. The way we spend this, we focus on. You're right. It, it I'm should sorry. be. I couldn't every, resist. I'm sorry. Oh man, you're good. The, the every road should be paved with gold. Yeah. Uh, our build, our building should be fixed and humming. Uh, you know, when this is all over, three years from now, if we're not looking back and saying, "Wow, our deferred maintenance is under control," which is going to increase our operating budget, right? Right. Which is going to change the trajectory of our operating budget. We won't have to bond as much over the next couple of years, right? right? So right. interest payments down, right? So which will allow us then to do other cities without touching a dime of taxes without do- and that's the other thing. If I if anybody says we need more taxes for the next decade or more, I'm going to laugh right. them right out of the room, right? right? I mean, get out. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, 100%. So but yeah, we have a very unique opportunity here to execute this in a way that again, three years, 10 years, 15 years from now, we're gonna be looking back and saying that we did it right, right? We fixed this city and became a great place for people to come to, businesses to come to and people to stay in. I just, I just hope that the rest of council and the mayor are open to hear your ideas and the, to start this discussion because it needs to be happening at the Commonwealth level too, it needs to be happening wherever yeah. this money is doled out. Um, how can we maximize this? Yeah. Uh, the oh. Commonwealth is getting, I think, two point six billion. Yeah. Okay, and then even the public schools. I want to say JCPS is getting a hundred million or something crazy like that. You right. know. Uh, now again, God knows what they're going to do with that money because I will say, no matter what we do from a metro point of view, right. The other biggest limiting factor for growth in this city is fixing the public school system. It needs yeah. continued serious reform. Yeah. Yeah. Tons. And I, I think, uh, Marty Polio's on that path. I like him on the right track. Yeah. I like him a lot. Um, and I think he's, he's, he's going in the right direction. I'm not going to say I agree with every decision he's made. Uh, but it's, I will say that JCPS is in much better hands under his leadership than it has been in the past. So, I'll say that and leave it there. <laughs> that doesn't mean there aren't problems and and issues, well, but you know. part part of the problem is that bar is so low, right? Right. You know, yeah, like, I was gonna say. Know. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. It's like the bar is kind of low. But here's the thing on that. Uh, one thing I'll say about um about polio is as compared to the last administration, I can text polio, and he'll come on. Oh yeah. And yeah. there was no there was no gatekeeper. There was nothing. It was like, all right, I'll be there, and he'll have the conversation. He, and yeah. I, I never had that kind of access before, and that is good because it gives a platform to the people to be able to address their issues directly with the That's leadership. Right. And I appreciate yeah. that about him. So he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah he's a good guy. Totally. Um, speaking of pavement, cars, roads. Imagine this. All right, if I wrote you a blank check, Anthony Piagentini on the check. It's a blank check. Do whatever you want with it. And I said, the, the only confine is you have to spend whatever amount you put in the box has to be on your dream car. What would it be? So I've given you what, a blank we- check. It's addressed to you. There's, there's nothing written in the box to put the money in. You can put as much in there as you want, but you have to buy a car with it. What's my dream car? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yep. Me? What, are you putting, what are you putting that money on? I've always... I've driven one once. I've always wanted like, like a like one of the top of the line, 
like Porsche 911 oh. Turbo, right? I I, there, I rode one once. There was a girl I dated in high school for like two minutes. Her brother-in-law was a really successful re- restaurateur in New York City. So he comes home. I was at her house, and she lived in this super wealthy. I mean, I was very middle, middle class. She lived in this, like, super wealthy area of North Jersey. So at her house, he pulls up, and it was, I want to say it had, like, 500 miles on it, right? Right. Porsche 911, right? And so all I did was compliment the car. I think I was 17. I don't even think I was 18 at the time. I made a nice comment in the car. He tosses me the keys and says, let's go. Now, I mean, it, it, it's the, to me, that was like the ultimate machine. Yes. Right. Like it was the ultimate in this is what a car is, right? right? In every possible way. If you just want a, an engine that has a cockpit, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah. what, that's what it was. And it was so cool because, uh, one of the other funky things with it is the, you know, pedals in a regular car, they, they hinge on the top, right? Right. Not in the not in a Porsche 911. They hinge on the bottom like a go kart. Right. So plus the pedals are real close. I mean, it was and I drove stick. It was st- I mean, you know. So I mean, it was it was a magical experience. And I always thought to myself, the day I can buy that, I'm not buying another car for the rest of my life. Dude, you I know? hear so, you. So yeah, that it's just it's just I've had that vision in my head that that's the last car I'll ever buy. Yeah. If I, if I had the money. I love it. Okay, so so I drove one. Uh, one time it was brand new. Uh, there was a dealership that just said, "Here, drive this. Tell us what you think. Go out to dinner in it. You know, mm. just tell us what you think." So I took it, and I had my wife, and this was I was living in Lexington at the time, and we drove back. Um, if you've ever been over to Lexington in Horse Country, mm-hmm. uh, down toward oh, Jesmond yeah. County, South Fayette County, down toward Jesmond County, there's a road that goes to Keene, Kentucky. And a lot of people listening are going to know exactly where that's at. And I took that thing out there, and it was nighttime, and a rainstorm started. And I'm driving this thing, and I hit 125 miles per hour on that road. Oh, my gosh. And it was the most fun. I mean, and you want to talk – everything you described it as, a cockpit. It, it right. The way you felt while driving this car was – on Germans. if Germans did one thing right, it's build cars. I, yeah, the, the right. way you feel when you're driving that car. This was early. This was probably 11, 12 years ago, and at the time, this was new technology. But they had air conditioned seats. I couldn't believe oh, it. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. I mean, oh, yeah. my, my that, truck that has air conditioned seats now, but <laughs> almost everybody can have that if you want it. But I, what do you think about the the Porsche Taycan, the uh, the electric car that they built? Uh, they've got them uh-huh. starting at seventy nine thousand. All the way up to like one hundred eighty-five thousand. Well, let me put it this way: like, even they have like the Cheyenne, and I think is the Cheyenne the, the SUV, the Porsche yes. SUV, yeah, the yeah. Cayenne. I think it's how they the Cayenne. It. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I, I got to be honest. I am. I don't like from a purely aesthetic point of view. Truly, the only Porsche that I really, really, really like that is that classic nine eleven yeah. turbo, yeah, the right? Shape. You know, thing. That's right. There's something about it that to me screams Porsche, right? It's, you look at it Porsche, right? right? Like you can't mistake, right? It's, it's like classic vet. You, you see a classic vet, that can't be any other car. That's a vet, 
right? right. You know, there. So to me, it's that classic design. I wouldn't really want to have any other Porsche, frankly. But you're right about Germans, man. If it, cars and beer. Basically, right. every American beer company was started by Germans at some point. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, German yeah. immigrants. Absolutely. You know? um, um, but, I, yeah, that's the two things. They have they have crushed it uh, as far as world contributions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know you're a Louisville fan, but I had one of my favorite cars ever. I had a uh, UK Blue uh, <laughs> Mercedes-Benz C-Class, and it was so much freaking fun to drive. Um, and it was funny because, you know, when I when – I, took my current job one of the things that i needed to do was get a, a car to drive every day because i wanted to keep my truck in good working condition yeah. and i wanted to drive something that got a little better gas mileage so i told my wife i was like okay i'm i've always regretted getting rid of that c-class i'm gonna get another benz and she's like all right whatever um so i go and i find <laughs> one and it's it's a few years old I, mean, I don't ever buy brand new cars i just let somebody else take that mine's 2014 take the hit. i do the same thing yeah, yeah. it's an e-class and I got to tell you, it's so much fun to drive. I mean, just it's not my dream car by any shape of the imagination, but it is a fun car to drive. It's got a powerful engine in it. It gets down the road. The handling, you can just feel it's almost like a German car. It's like when you step on the gas, it's almost like it thanks you. It's like, okay, now yes, I'm doing yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to be sitting this in This is traffic. my purpose in life. Yeah, this is yeah, my right? purpose in life. And you can feel it kind of <laughs> sit down on the road a little bit and then, yeah. all right, let's go. I love it. It's so yeah. much fun. But I think if I had a blank check, if you go, if you gave me a blank check and right. I could buy whatever I wanted, I'd probably, I'd probably walk onto the nearest Ford dealership and buy the biggest, fattest, badass F-350 platinum <laughs> in dark metallic gray that I could possibly get. <laughs> Because that is my truck right there. That'd be my real, dream real car. truck guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, I was I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan's podcast with Elon Musk, and I'm impressed by Tesla. Um, I'm impressed with Musk. Period. As an individual, as an innovator, um, you know, I don't agree with all of him politically, but his, his stock with me went up about a hundred thousand points when he said he was going to Texas. Yeah, yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah, he's a smart enough guy to figure that out. But they were talking exactly. about they were talking about the new, um. I forget what it's called. It's like the plaid. Um, I don't know if it's Model S or what, but they're they're now going to have it where you can get your you can go from zero to sixty in oh, yeah. one point like nine seconds. Something. Yeah, yeah, it's that crazy. is insane. Yeah, ludicrous speed, which was the Type S, right? When when the, the the current Type S, and I think you have to you have to purchase it in the model that will satisfy that will have the ludicrous option. Right. I think it's what they call it, ludicrous speed. Yeah. They um, it, it was I think it was two point one or two point two, and people described it as like your insides were back there when you hit the <laughs> gas, right? Like, and I mean, it is it would be almost impossible to keep control of a car i mean that's right. how fast that is right you know right let me put it this way there was a guy um i've been watching on netflix the formula one uh uh program i think they're in two seasons now yeah um they're in their set they're, they're through their second season i'm sort of fascinated by the whole formula one thing right right and there was another article that came out you can actually go to these places and drive a formula one car and so this guy, he was a huge Formula One fan, and, and you know, he, he's not in real great shape, but he was a thin guy. He wasn't overweight or anything, you know, but he just wasn't super muscular. Right. He gets in this car, and they, they, you know, he goes through all this training to get this program where he could just ride the track a little bit and all this stuff. He admitted, he, what he said was, 
the g-forces right right on these vehicles right when you start accelerating at that speed right you're talking zero to 60 1.9 i think they, they can almost get to zero to 100 1.9 but you know but 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 when you're at those speeds and the other thing he talked about was braking so he said accelerating was one thing because yeah i mean you, the hardest thing is keeping your hands on the wheel because right. you, everything's being blown backwards right he said when he hit the brakes i mean when those guys hit the brakes with formula one cars they're going from like 220 to like 70 in in a fraction of a second yeah and he said his whole body jerked forward he couldn't even keep his head up wow uh, when he was braking because it was and meanwhile when you watch the interior cameras of these guys they keep their heads up they said basically their neck strength the back strength the core and all this stuff has to be like on point because the g-forces they're constantly exerting on themselves are just I, Astronomical. I, I believe that I, it's not formula one, but I've done the Richard Petty driving experience twice. Right. Um, I did it with Kyle Macy one time and he edged me out by a 10th of a mile per hour. Um, <laughs> yeah. He'll never let me live that down either. But right. um, the, the first time I did it, I actually was the fastest in class at one fifty eight point nine, And I'd wow. never been 158.9 before in my life. And I I'll tell you when you got done there, you, you actually could taste fuel and you could actually taste it. Oh, sure. Which was awesome. Yep. But I got such a respect for guys that drive around in a circle for four hours because yeah. of the way it bangs you around, which, you know, the Hans yep. device had come out by then and, and I had to wear it. It's very uncomfortable. It's especially for dudes, um, because of the way it straps around your, <laughs> your jewels. Your so areas. To speak. Yeah. yeah your, right. areas, <laughs> your special place. Um, so it, it's like in riding in that for just 20 minutes, was insane, right. but it was one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. But you talk about like, and it was exactly that. It was banging you around. It was like these guys. I had no because you wonder why do they need that? The Hans device that holds your, you know, the head. It's like holy crap! This is crazy how they get beat around. It's, it's nuts. Well, let me. Well, you know, just to come back to Tesla real quick. There was somebody I was listening on the radio, and they they hit the. I mean, um, who, who was it that was talking about this? What, did, was it maybe your podcast? I don't know. Were they talking about the difference between the Chevy Volt and the Tesla? Uh, was it you? Th- it, th- let me put it. Th- Might have been. N- let me put it this way: they both got the same. You know, the, 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 most of these electric car companies they were started with it was government infusion of cash right. when all this started. Right? right. Right. They both basically started at the same time. And look at the Chevy Volt and look at Tesla, right? right. Because what Tesla, what, where he knocked it out of the park was he realized, number one, it's got to be a car, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It can't be something that looks like a cheese box or like whatever, right? right? I mean, right. it's got to look like a freaking car. And if it's going to be electric, who's buying this thing, right? Particularly your initial adopters, right? They're going to be, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have money. These could be upper middle class, upper class, right? Socioeconomic people. For an electric car, you better bring your A game on the tech. Yeah. And basically that car is one of the most sophisticated computer systems like yeah. ever. Yeah. You know, and 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 he just pioneering that stuff and and then and then even the speed thing, right? You know, because again, the, the laughable comical thing about these electric cars initially was it was zero to sixty in twenty five seconds. Right. right. It was like right. it was right. It was such a joke, right? How 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 slow they were, right? To come out with an electric car that's zero to sixty in two seconds. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know, like, okay, now you got my attention. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He he had the Uh, advantage of starting with the Lotus platform, which because of exactly what you said, he he knew that in order to sell it, it had to actually look like something you'd want to buy. You know, and um, 
and he he was I was listening to him on Rogan the other day, and he was actually saying that they've literally only kept about seven percent of the Lotus now. But that's what got them started. And their initial car, the first car they ever made, you know, it it, it still stands up. It still looks good. I can't tell when I'm on the road and I see a Tesla. I don't know what year it is. You know, I, right. it could be a right. five-year-old Tesla. It could be a one-year-old Tesla. It could be brand new right off the lot. I don't know. So, I mean, he definitely he definitely took the right corner on there. As far as I know, I don't even know, do they even still make the Chevy Volt? If they do, it looks exactly uh, yeah. the same as they did when they first made it. They, they, they do because, well, you, you know how the right. cafe standards work and all that stuff. Oh, so they, yeah. they do it. They, they do to. it as an average across your whole fleet. Yeah. So if they dump that, their average would be hosed. You yeah, know? yeah. But I, I think GM just came out and said all of their lines will be electric in the next, I don't know, five years or yeah, something like 2035. that. 2035. So, right, okay. Yeah, all of their cars will be electric by 2035. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, the good news with this whole thing is, you know, in give it 10 years, right, you'll almost be able to choose, you know, if I like a truck or if I like this, I mean, there'll be options that look like those cars. But, um, but again, I mean, what, you know, again, coming back to how, basic economics works right how yep. did it work yep. what did tesla come out with first they came out with an eighty thousand dollar car right yeah that they were selling to to you know well you know high income people who wanted you know some combination of status symbol and the newest possible thing like people that stood in line for hours for their iphone and all that crap you know but what do those people do they right. paved the way for the thirty five thousand dollar tesla right 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 they're paving the way for g for gm to have every freaking car they operate be, yep. you know that that is that is how this is done right, right. which right. is you know you, you got to create something cool it's going to be for just a handful of people at first give it some time to develop right there's infrastructure needs there's you know they had to do all those uh recharging stations and all that stuff but right. they'll still be I, I mean i will say like we've toyed around with eventually you know in my, in, if i were to get my next car it might be an electric vehicle because i only drive around town right right right, right. um but we will always ha unless they figure out how to recharge an electric vehicle in less than an hour and a half uh we will always have a gas vehicle as well for our long hauls i got a buddy of mine who takes his tesla he's got the tesla suv uh he he's takes it out for for long hauls and he says you know, it's annoying right. because you have to sit there for an hour and a half and, you know, get lunch and sit there and wait. And yeah, whatever. that's that's still one of the big things that stands in the way. I mean, they're, they're getting longer and longer range. I think Musk was saying that he's going to have a car that's going to have almost 500 miles of range in the next couple of years, which is great. Um, but then that that fill up is always going to take you way longer than what it takes for gas, you know. What I find cool with the vehicles is, uh, just to wrap it up with Tesla here, the the uh, and owners will tell you this, they, they push software updates constantly. It's just like Apple, right? They're constantly pushing software upgrades and software updates. Their software updates have to change your gas mileage. Yeah. So they push they push a, a software update, and your your max range was like 280, and now it's 290. Right, you know? it's right. Because right. they pushed a software update. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's brilliant how yeah. they do that. Super but. fascinating. It's crazy. Well, I can talk about cars all day, so... Yeah, uh, but hey, it's good having you on again. I'm glad we have somebody that has a um, a, a smart mind, a cool head about them, a mature outlook. Um, you know, and hopefully people will listen to you about how this money gets spent because there's there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. We've already we've already taken the dive, like you said. The money's there, so we might as well find the best, most conservative way to use it. So that's right. That's right. Awesome. Good talking to you again, sir. Thanks very much, Leland. All right, Always we'll talk pleasure. Soon. All right, Councilman Anthony Piagentini. 
here on the Disruption Zone. And again, I am Leland Conway. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We've got a ton of great guests coming up next week as well. Congressman Andy Barr is going to join us. He's got a bill that will protect your access to banking now that the elites and cancel culture are combining forces and trying to force out people that they don't agree with from being able to access banking services. We'll also talk to him about the Democrats' attempted gun grab uh, that's on tap as well. That's all coming up next week. Guys, thanks for listening. I want to thank our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They are so great. Um, I don't talk about businesses that I don't fully support, and this is a business I've worked with for years. Um, If you're going to have your kitchen redone, they're the ones I would call. 502-930-3304 or stop by the showroom at 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville um, and see their great designers, Michelle, George, Kelly. They're all there to take good care of you. If you're looking for a turnkey kitchen remodel, start to finish, they can handle all of that. So talk to their designers. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they have quality, beautiful, affordable cabinets in stock as we speak. So check out their website, louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com. And if you don't mind, Shoot them an email or give them a call at 502-930-3304 and tell them thank you uh, for supporting the Disruption Zone. Also, thank you for listening. Thanks, JP Web Design, for their help with the website. Thank you to uh, Dynamics Audio Productions for their audio help for the show. And thank you for downloading. Give us a good review on Apple Podcasts. That helps them push it out to more and more people, so it helps grow our audience. And uh, remember that it's a free subscription at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or iHeartRadio, or you can just go directly to the website, www.thedisruptionzone. Don't forget the the, thedisruptionzone.com. Thanks to my useless and lazy co-host, Cameron Mills. I love you, buddy. Uh, He's actually going to be on with us again, hopefully next week. We're working on some stuff that'll be fun. Uh, And again, thanks to you for listening. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Leland Show, at Zone Disruption, and at Greatly Londo on Instagram, and at The Disruption Zone. Thanks, everybody.